This holiday treat can be found all throughout the Netherlands. It is said that eating this treat will save you from the wrath of a goddess. And while it's a Christmas and New Year's delicacy, its beginnings can be found in Jewish culture. We're exploring the history and origin of Olibolen. I'm your host, Glenn Warren, and welcome to another serving of Season's Eatings, the podcast which explores the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. Season's Eatings is available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcast. So please take a moment and subscribe so we can have other listeners join us at the Christmas table. If you have a quick minute, please leave a review for the podcast. It lets me know how I'm doing as well as helps others find the podcast. And if you let me know you've left a review, I'll send you a Seasons Eating sticker as a personal thank you. Seasons Eatings can also be found on all the socials. All these links can be found on our website, seasonseatingspodcast.com. And while you're at the site, if you're feeling extra generous this holiday, you can buy me an eggnog. Every donation goes towards the running of the podcast and is greatly appreciated. And finally, you can let me know how I'm doing, leave a suggestion for future episodes, or just say hello at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com. Before I begin, I wish to thank listener Imogen for this month's suggestion. I love hearing back from uh, listeners, and I would absolutely encourage you to write in and tell me about your holiday treats that you love so much. If you want me to research one of your favorite holiday treats, then email me at seasonseatingspodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. And please forgive my pronunciation of some of the Dutch names and places. I'm definitely not a fluent speaker, as you'll probably attest to later. Olibolen are deep-fried balls made from pantry ingredients such as flour, yeast, water, salt, and sugar. They often contain raisins or currants and are generously sprinkled with powdered sugar on top. This cousin to the donut, which kind of looks like a golden bauble, is a sought-after treat in the Netherlands and is traditionally eaten from Christmas to New Year's Eve. The literal translation of Olibolen may not sound so appetizing. Oil ball. But getting greasy fingers hasn't put the Dutch off from eating them for centuries. However, there is no consensus on the Dutch delicacy's beginnings. Many think that the Olibolen originated during pagan times, since it was eaten by a Germanic tribes celebrating Yule. The ritual of eating these luscious lumps of sugary dough started with a less than appetizing story, perhaps meant as a warning to eat well before the advent of midwinter. Eating Olibolen was considered a surefire way to ward off the whims of a cruel pagan goddess named Pacta. Her Teutonic name meant 
bright or glorious, but she was not always friendly. During the 12 days of Christmas, the goddess was said to fly around with evil spirits looking for something to eat. Initially, Perkta was the upholder of cultural taboos, such as the prohibition against spinning on holidays. In the folklore of Bavaria and Austria, Perkta was said to roam the countryside at midwinter and to enter homes during the 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany. She would know whether the children and the young servants of the household had behaved well and worked hard all year. If they had, they might find a small silver coin the next day in a shoe or a pail. If they had not, she would slit their bellies open, remove their stomach and guts, and stuff the hole with straw and pebbles. She was particularly concerned to see that girls had spun the whole of their allotted portion of flax or wool during the year. She would also slit people's bellies open and stuff them with straw if they ate something on the night of her feast day, other than the traditional meal of fish and gruel. Tradition said that eating olibolin protected you because the fat absorbed from the cooking oil made Perkta's sword slide off her victims. No one worries about the vengeful Perkta anymore, but the fat in the olibolin may help insulate some Dutch citizens from hypothermia associated with another traditional New Year's celebration, the habit of swimming in icy waters on New Year's Day. Meanwhile, other people say that the beloved ball was brought over to the Netherlands by Jews fleeing Portugal during the Middle Ages. In some areas, it was common for people to fast between St. Martin, November 11th, and Christmas. After this period of fasting was over, they feasted, drank, and ate. Oil cakes were an important part of this celebration because they were filling and fattening and thus perfect for the winter period, especially after such a long fast. It was in the 17th century that the Dutch donut got its first mention. An olibolin recipe was published in the Dutch cookbook titled The Sensible Cook or Careful Housekeeper. The recipe referred to the fatty treat as olikoken, oil cakes, and it wasn't until the late 19th century and its admittance into the Dutch dictionary that Olebollen became its preferred name. Around the same period, Dutch painter Albert Kuyp illustrated a pot of Olebollen. It is a young woman holding a big pot filled with Olebollen, currently on display at Dordrecht's museum. So one can only assume Olebollen had been devoured by the Dutch for some time. So the olibolin are a variety of dumpling made by using an ice cream scoop or two spoons to scoop a certain amount of dough and dropping the dough into a deep fat fryer filled with hot oil or once with hot lard, thus traditional local names. In this way, a sphere-shaped olibol emerges. Olibolin are traditionally eaten on New Year's Eve and fun fairs. In the wintertime, they are also sold in the street at mobile stalls. The dough is made from flour, eggs, yeast, some salt, milk, baking powder, and usually sultanas, 
currants, raisins, and sometimes a zest or saccade or candied fruit. The notable variety is the apple beignet, which contains only a slice of apple, but is slightly different from the olibolin. Olibolin are usually served covered in powdered sugar. In Flanders, the olibol is also called a smootebol because it's often cooked in animal fat, especially lard, other than vegetable oil. Another difference between the Dutch olibol and the Flemish smootebol is that the smootebol is usually not filled in contrast to the Dutch one. A very similar type of olibol can also be found in the Walpoon part of Belgium, Brussels, and northern France. Crudustillons are deep-fried balls served hot and liberally sprinkled with powdered sugar. They're usually served in a paper cone with a little plastic fork to eat them. They are typically found at fairgrounds in Belgium and in Lille, France. So, what is really an olibol? At their core, olibolen are fried pieces of yeasted dough. The raw, uncooked dough is quite liquid-like. It's more familiar to a firm pancake batter than a bread dough, for example. The final fried olibol is soft and fluffy on the inside, and outside may be slightly crispy. And even though the olibol is fried, it shouldn't be oily. Olibolen are small enough to easily fit in your hand, but a little bit too big to eat in one bite. They can be plain, without any fillings, or contains fillings such as raisins and apples. And the dough balls themselves are quite plain in taste, especially if they don't contain any fillings. It's why they're best eaten with lots of powdered sugar, dusted all over and preferably still warm. Olibon are closely related to yeast donuts. However, where most donuts are made from a dough that can be shaped into a ring, Olibolin are made from a batter. As such, you can't shape them in any other shape except as a ball or a misshapen random figure. Generally speaking, olibolin contain a lot less sugar than donuts, but both are eaten with a lot of extra sugar on top. The glaze or frosting of a donut and powdered sugar on top of an olibol. We'll find out how olibolin are connected to Jewish traditions after the break. Ninety-seven, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. I knew there was a sprinkle missing from that cookie. Oh, hi! I'm Sprinkle, one of the elves in the kitchen at the North Pole. I'm in charge of, well, you guessed it, making sure there's 100 sprinkles on each of Mrs. Claus's cookies. There's so much stuff going on here at the North Pole that sometimes I can't keep track. That's why I go to SantaUpdate.com. SantaUpdate.com is a website which gives you all the news about us elves, the reindeer, Mrs. Claus, and of course Santa all through the year. There's news, a post office where you can email Santa, Lots of great activities, and you can even chat with one of the elves or the big guy himself. We even broadcast Santa's journey around the world on Christmas Eve. 
and everything is completely free. So head on over to SantaUpdate.com and join in the fun. Just make sure you have permission from an adult you trust. I hope to see you soon on SantaUpdate.com. I gotta run. That's my next batch of cookies. What does a poet and his friends who are Christmas geeks do when they get together? They get drunk and argue about Yuletide lit. It's time to get lit for Christmas. Join us as we open the liquor cabinet, grab a book off the shelf, and have a little boozy conversation about what warms our chestnuts and makes us holly and jolly. Find out the best screwdriver to scrooge with. Get the recipe for Gift of the Magi Mojitos. Enjoy a little Peppermint Patty Polar Express. Everyone's welcome at this party. It's time to do some Jingle Bell Jello shots and talk about the great, and maybe not so great, works of Christmas literature. Hurry up. The fireplace is roaring and Bing Crosby's crooning. We're two drinks in, and the spirits of Christmas past, present, and future are flowing. Grab a cup of cheer and find a place on the couch. It is time to get lit for Christmas. Many cultures have sweet pastries made of deep fried dough, but few resemble the olibolin in terms of ingredients, recipe, and the season in which they are traditionally consumed as much as sufganyot. These similarities are not necessarily the result of coincidence. According to Jonah Freud, who published a book in 2012 about the Dutch Jewish cuisine based on her research for the Jewish Historical Museum in Amsterdam. Like several other food historians in the Netherlands, Freud believes the current tradition of the Olebollen, which date back to the Middle Ages, may be rooted in the Jewish Sufganya, which is like an older dish and is mentioned in Jewish sources even prior to the 13th century. While it would be difficult to credit with certainty any one cuisine for a basic recipe of flour, yeast, eggs, water, and oil, she says, there are nonetheless some influences in the olibol that can be likely attributed to Jewish traditions. Jews would have likely swapped the pig's fat for oil because pork isn't kosher, Freud said. Eventually, we end up with the kosher variant, whereas no one fries olibolin in pig fat today. Another indication is the seasonal correlation between Hanukkah and olibolin season. Olibolin, jo Jonah noted, are not necessarily associated with Christmas. It's a seasonal food, not a holiday food, she says. Now, this is significant. Food historians agree because Dutch Christians probably would have been careful not to co-opt any Jewish customs into their own religious rituals. There's additional circumstantial evidence connecting the olibol to the history of the Susganya, 
with a plural, sifganyot, a cross between a beignet and a jelly donut, sifganyot are pillowy donuts eaten in Israel and around the world during Hanukkah, when foods fried in oil symbolize the miracle of oil that burned for eight days instead of one in the Hanukkah story. Sifganyot are traditionally filled with jelly or jam. Jewish food historians believe the habit of injecting a sweet filling into the Sufganya is a late influence that Ashkenazi Jews either invented or picked up in Germany, where bakeries for centuries have been selling the Berliner, a pastry that looks and tastes like the Sufganyot sold in Israel today. But the Sufganyot mentioned in Sephardic Jewish writings including by Rabbi Mamon ben Yosef, the father of the 13th century philosopher Maimonides, had no fillings. Those are believed to have come from later as Ashkenazi and Sephardic Jews mixed in the diaspora, including in Poland. But to this day, some Sephardim in Israel, France, and Morocco spurn the jam filling that for many is the trademark of a good traditional sifganya. Jonah says this gives credence to theories that olibolin, in their current form, were brought to the Netherlands by Portuguese Sephardim, who came there from the 15th century onward to escape religious persecution in the Iberian Peninsula. Another indication? Dutch olibol is often made with raisins, an ingredient that does not feature heavily in Dutch cuisine, but was commonly used by Portuguese Jews. Many non-Jews in the Netherlands believe oliboran was originally a Sephardic or Portuguese dish, a history they regard as common knowledge, even though it's never been proven. And from 1993 to 2017, Dutch newspaper Algemeen Dagblad has held an annual highly publicized Olibolin test at the end of each year. In 2012, the bakery of Willy Olnick from Marsen won the contest. In 2013, Richard Visser won the contest for the ninth time in 20 years, which is currently the record for the highest number of wins by one person. The contest stopped in 2018, after it appeared that the jury and the writers of the reviews were not the same people and the articles of the newspaper didn't reflect the reality and were exaggerated. Fans of the treat continued reviewing Olibolin from all over the country by themselves, compiling their ratings on a website. I'm pretty sure the average Dutch person has no clue about the annual consumption of Olibolin in the Netherlands. Bear in mind it's only eaten for about a quarter of the year with its peak around New Year's Eve. It's estimated that the Dutch eat at least 100 million olibolin per year. That's quite an accomplishment for a population of only 17 million people. So, if you want to get the real Dutch experience, you better eat an olibol during your visit to the Netherlands. Thank you for listening to this serving of Seasons Eatings. Seasons Eatings is available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And please, if you can leave a review about the show so you can spread the Christmas cheer. And if you let me know you've left a review, 
I'll send you a season's ending sticker as a personal thank you. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email at seasonsendingspodcast at gmail.com. Let me know how you like the show, suggestions for future episodes, or just to say hi. And I know we all get busy, so even sharing the podcast with someone you know who loves Christmas would be a big help. And if you're feeling extra generous this holiday season, you can buy me an eggnog. Head on over to seasonseatingspodcast.com and click on the little cup in the corner. Each small donation helps with the daily running of the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Seasons Eatings also has great items for you or your loved ones for the holiday season. So head on over to seasonseatings.com, click on the merchandise tab, and find your next great gift. I'm your host, Glenn Warren. Thank you for listening, and tune in again for another serving of Seasons Eatings. Seasons Eatings is also part of the Christmas Podcast Network. Whatever interest you have with the holidays, there's probably a podcast out there covering that topic. You can find Seasons Eatings with all the other podcasts at christmaspodcasts.com. Drop on by to find your next podcast addiction. All music for Seasons Eatings is used under the Creative Commons license.